Howdy. Thanks for coming along. This is the Evening Chores Podcast, presented by Adobe Owl Ranch. We're located in the high desert of southeastern Arizona, and the goal of this podcast is to provide some insight and information regarding raising livestock and potentially gardening in the high desert environment we have here, the arid desert type environment, which doesn't get quite as dreadfully hot as, oh, say, Phoenix or the surface of the sun. I hope you enjoy it. Please listen in, subscribe, all that good stuff. Thank you. Welcome back. Thanks for coming along with me on Evening Chores. This is the podcast where I walk around and do my evening chores and you listen to me talk to a, or I guess not to, but about any specific subject. And tonight, the subject is going to be equipment. I'm going to talk specifically about certain types of roadworthy equipment. So things which are both safe and legal to go down the road with. So think cars, trucks, uh, well, I guess for... For farm purposes, mostly cars, trucks, and trailers, although there are a few other things around. So, But those are the general, general ideas here. As I stand here next to my car that I forgot to bring the keys out for. Well, so I am currently in the process. Let's see, I've got a... Everything I got broke down at the moment, which I guess doesn't make me much of an expert to talk about all this stuff. But again, I am going to fix it. So I have a 86 truck with a bad motor. Well, actually, the motor's not even in it anymore. It's sitting over here under my A frame. And I will get to non-roadworthy you know equipment that's not necessarily infrastructure it's you know still in the equipment vein but kick the light on here well, that's nice anyway so I'm standing right here I'm in the process of building a trailer which I think will definitely add to the my ability to get things done with less uh, less use of more tires than I necessarily need, I guess, would be the, the way that I would look at it. I'm building a, a standard single axle trailer, and it's, well, it's, it's coming along. I don't have a lot of time, but it is coming along. So for that one, I forget the exact dimensions, but it's about... Oh, let's see. One, two. So probably four, three and a half feet wide, probably between. So that the fenders are external to the box, and it's probably like three and a half by five. It's a small trailer, but really the only purpose for it is to 
take the occasional single pig somewhere, which this is a lot closer to the ground, so it'll be a whole lot easier to do than my than using a pickup. And I can pull it behind a car, which make, makes everything a whole lot cheaper than using a pickup, because you know it's not going to take nearly as much fuel. And it's not a excuse me. It's a pretty late evening here. It's not a 16-foot utility trailer like my other one that I'd have to use. So that's a bonus for me. And I will be able to use it to go over. I've got a deal with the local brewery to pick up their spent grains, which we can talk about. I don't. I use those only as an augment mostly for the fiber content, frankly, and I feel like it does add something for my soil as well. But So this will take, take care of that, no problem. It is the right size to fit a IBC tote. I've got a bunch of those 275-gallon IBC totes, and I use those for all kinds of stuff, so I wanted it to be able to haul that. And... I also have here, this is actually kind of a project deal that I've acquired. I haven't built it all the way from nothing. But it's sort of a package deal with some, I got a 225-gallon water tank as well. So I'm going to build a pallet for that, like a metal pallet, so that I can use that to haul liquids around as well. Because the IBC tank, the tote, that will be, oh, primarily for hauling either grains. You know, I can also put in several of those big trash cans that I use at the brewery, but the IBC tote will let me get the entire thing all in one container. And I also use the IBC what would you call it, the outside part, the metal pallet bit with the sides. I use that for, oh, like there's a lot of, a lot of plastic, you're not plastic, it's a, like paper bag waste here because I can't get feed by the ton yet locally other than in a bag, you know, in a, and actually in 40 separate bags. So that's the other thought with this. I may be able to go up to the local town mill, which is, oh man, that has attacked me, that that sneeze, or that uh, yawn. But I may be able to drag this up to the, the feed mill, which is about, oh, probably an hour, hour and 15 minutes away. And I'm thinking... If I can get a contract with them to supply feed to me a little cheaper, that might be worth it. And I really like my local feed store. I like the people that run it. But I'm paying, oh, let's see. It's not quite $600 a ton for hog feed, so... That makes that makes hogs expensive. Of course, down here, let's 
see, I guess, what is it? Uh, well, I'm out of math right now, but a 50 pound bag of corn is $10, $11. So it's not, it's not a free deal anymore to feed these. And, you know, we're in the high desert, so there's not a lot of spare feed on the ground. You know, I, they get what they can out of the the native grasses and the shrubs and the old oh, mesquite trees and all that, but there just isn't a lot to be had. So anyway, what I was looking for with that trailer was something I could easily pull with a car. It's got nice big wheels on it, which is something to, to consider. You know, when you're looking at a trailer, the bigger the tires are, the easier it'll roll. You know, and the well, when loaded, the easier it will go down the road. Now, sometimes a big tire like this will balance a little bit, but it, in general, I prefer it. These are 15-inch tires. So this is a 225, 75, 15 that's, that's on here. And I can't remember exactly what's on my, my other trailer, but I will get to that in a little bit. But the point is, you know, that trailer is going to take a lot of stress off of my other utility trailer. But I'm not done with the trailer business. You know, I've got, I will have, let's see, at least, at least probably two more before I'm finished. And I say that because I know I need a stock trailer that I can actually haul you know, plenty of stock with. Looking at either, at, at the point that I'm at, I can go with either a gooseneck or a, a bumper pull stock trailer, you know, like a horse trailer. But for me, I don't have any horses. So. What I'd really, really like in that, though, is a is something with a changing room, what they call a changing room for this the horse trailer, up in the front of it, so in the nose. And once in a while, you'll even see one with a built-in bathroom. And the that's not I don't need that for the. This is going to sound really silly, but it's it's a double usage to me. So we do a fair bit of camping, you know, the family and and some other friends of mine around here, so it'd be handy to be able to just toss all the gear in the back of that trailer. And yeah, I know a bunch of people are going to say, well, just get an RV. I don't really want to live in an RV. You know, I like the tent thing. In fact, I like to sleep to camp with no tent. But it's nice to have a latrine available too, you know, a bathroom of some kind. So not all the places we tent have facilities, so it would be nice to have be nice to have that. But I've also, um, at some point, I may talk about some of that stuff more in another episode, but I, I, I've been thinking about putting a, oh, a, a hand-washing station and just a, just a toilet together in actually using those IBC totes purely for the privacy screen part. I saw, a, oh, it was a, I think it was a Pinterest thing, actually. Somebody stacked a couple of those together and made an outdoor shower. 
which got me thinking that on my little trailer here, actually, I could build a, a slide-in pallet unit that would do that job. Anyway, enough about bathrooms and my camping operation. So I've been thinking either a, a bumper pole or a gooseneck, which for me will determine what kind of vehicle that I use it to the I use to pull it. Because my daily driver, my usual vehicle, although I'm I'm considering getting something else for some days that I don't need quite as much space, but my normal truck is a Ford Excursion with a diesel in it, which is a good rig. It's a great truck. It's in the shop right now, which kind of, I guess, negates what I just said, but overall, I really like it. It's got lots of space for, you know, the whole family. Everybody's comfortable. There aren't any issues. It's really nice. You know, it goes down the road great. This thing will drive, you know, 80 mile an hour. It it had suffered a couple of issues when we were up north in the cold, and it it isn't quite used to the cold, and it was it showed it. So it it had a few hiccups in up in northern Arizona. Oh couple of months ago and whether it was whether it was I guess driver induced or whether it was just waiting to happen I'll probably never know it it was definitely exacerbated by the cold though so that's in the shop obviously I can't pull a gooseneck trailer with a with an excursion but I am standing right now next to my kids' favorite vehicle on the whole property, which is a 1986 K2500, so it's a three-quarter ton truck. And a single cab, you know, standard bed, nothing nothing super special. It came with the 6.2 diesel, which was a giant pile of an engine. It was just, you, I guess the redeeming factor is they did get decent mileage. You know, three-quarter ton truck, four-wheel drive and all that no overdrive around here you know doing the kind of driving that actually most most farmers i guess probably still do but definitely the kind of driving that this truck was intended for when it was built you know what over 30 years ago it would get between 14 and 15 miles a gallon which is pretty impressive if you look at it and it's not a light vehicle it's a bit you know it looks like a brick it doesn't have any aerodynamic shape to it at all but sadly, the 6.2, it bit the dust. I'm not actually even sure what happened to it, but it was either a head gasket, a broken head, or a cracked block, and it was not worth repairing any of those things. So if, it, if somebody wants a 6.2 with one of those three potential problems, uh, boy, have I got the deal for you. Anyway, so this is going to get a, I've got a 5.3 LS that I'm building in a, at a friend's place right now. I don't have the space in the shop for it. When I say I'm building, I think he's actually jumped the gun and he's ahead of me on it, but I can appreciate that too. So that's getting done. So it's going to go into this truck. So I'm, I'll have 
a truck and I'm sure you know it, again somebody out there is going to say well why would you put a 5.3 no certain no three-quarter ton truck has ever come with a 5.3 and believe me I wrestled with that I thought about putting everything from a 5.3 to an 8.1 in it and those for less mechanically minded folks those are as about as different as you can get in the V8 pickup engine market at least so a 5.3 is a I want to say it works out to a 325 cubic inch engine it's really close to the old 327 that you'd see in oh back into the I want to say the late 50s but I could be wrong and the 8.1 I don't have any idea what that works out to in cubic inches, but it's big. What's that? I'm going to show my ignorance. I'm bad at this mathematical calculation. It might be like a 496, but it might even be bigger than that. I can't, I can't remember. could be smaller than that. Ignore everything I just said. So anyway, an 8.1 is a big motor. It's a big, powerful motor. You'll never saw those in, that I know of in pickup trucks, you know, three-quarter and one-ton trucks. They put the the Allison transmission behind them sometimes. And, you know, I was going to do that. I was going to put an 8.1 in it, and then I started looking at it. It's only got a semi-float rear axle, so it's not the most sturdiest uh, build of axles. And I don't have any problem with the transmission that's in it, one of the old Rock Crusher transmissions. But I didn't want to... I didn't want to go looking for weak spots. A lot of times when you put a big, powerful engine in something, that's what you're doing. You just go looking for weak spots, and you find them, and you repair them, and then you find the next weak spot, and I wasn't going to do that. And that 5.3 is going to have more power than the 6.2 ever had, so it'll pull down the road just fine. And if I want more, more road speed, I've already got another couple of transmissions I'm looking at. Because I'm just going to treat it kind of like a, oh, mostly like a heavy half-ton truck. If you remember those from the, oh, what was that, the early to mid-90s, I suppose, where they would have, you know, either, I can't remember now if it was light three-quarter ton or heavy half-ton trucks, but it was kind of somewhere in between, and yeah, that's kind of how I'm going to use it. I'm not going to load it down and try to just rip it to shreds, and it's not going to go that far from home anyway. The goal of the thing is to just be something that hauls feed around for me without any crazy, you know, stunts or anything. So I chose the 5.3, mostly based on it being a closer horsepower to the previous engine. And I'm sure that the transmission would hold more. In fact, I would trust it to hold more. But like I said, it's an older truck. Who knows what kind of issues it might have. So rear end's new, newly rebuilt. And it all, you know, everything shifts fine and all that. So it just needs that engine put in it. And it'll be good. So then I'll be able to pull a... a Oh boy, a gooseneck trailer with no problem, but also going to only be 
you know, it's a single cab truck, so there's not going to be a lot of space. So I'm back to that conundrum. I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm watching the market trying to see what I can find. Because I know I'm going to be needing a livestock trailer before too long. Because the, the previous option, which was, I had a, basically a sort of a corral thing built in the back of my utility trailer was just too much work. I, I spent too much time going back and forth, taking it off, putting something else on, or loading something else on the trailer, trying to keep it from the sides from blowing off, all that. So that wasn't a good option. If you want to know how not to build yourself a impromptu stock trailer, I can tell you. But it did work. That's how I initially got into the hogs. It just didn't work as good as it could have. So which brings me to the to the utility trailer, I guess. That's a trailer that I found. It's a, I think it's a 16 foot. I'm reasonably sure. It's either 14 or 16, and I'm pretty sure it's a 16 foot trailer. That I found on, I can't remember if it was Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist, which if you are willing to wait, those are both great places to look for some decent deals. The key is you got to be able to do that. Just wait because there are some really terrible deals to be had as well. And you don't want to you know, waste capital on something that you can either get better, cheaper, or do without for a little while, if that's what you're needing to do. So what I do in those cases is I, I kind of forecast out the stuff that I want, which is why I am currently looking for a stock trailer, and I have been for a while, and I thought I had one found. You know, so I'm, I'm actively in the market for one. But I'm not also in a rush for one. If it comes up, I'm going to buy it. If I find one that needs work, it'll depend on the amount of work. But I may buy it. It's just a, it's a waiting game for me. Because I'm not willing to spend a lot of money on one. Because I don't need it yet. So I can afford to wait for a good deal, which I recommend. So the utility trailer is just that sort of a thing. At the time that I found that utility trailer, I did not need a trailer at all. You know, I was getting by with, I had one trailer that a guy I knew would let me use once in a while, and I would rent the occasional trailer from U-Haul. But I found a, I found this thing for about, oh, probably a quarter to a third of what they would cost new, if not less, actually, now that I think about it. I found, I found this one for a quarter to a third of what you would pay new for a worse trailer. So I got it, and then... I've since put, oh, several hundred dollars in it. I put, you know, utility trailer often doesn't come with brakes. And 
I, I like to have trailer brakes. It's a good backup. So I put a set of brakes on it. I put new wiring on it, new trailer lights, a new uh, pin, you know, uh, what is it, a seven, seven pin connector, the seven flat, I think is what I've got. So I, I wanted something that would, you know, I wanted everything to match, all of my trailers to fit. So I, I chose something that I thought, and I don't know if that's the best one or not, but I chose that and then I left the four flat on it. So there's the seven round, you know, plug type thing. And when I say seven flat, it's, there's ones with pins in there, like, like round pins that, that connect. And then this one has the flat connector style. So it's the, it's a round plug, but the internal connectors are flat on that. And then I've got a, a, the old style four flat. So that one doesn't actuate the brakes, but it's nice to have in case of a, oh, if one of my buddies really needs a trailer, I occasionally will let about three people I know use it, you know, that aren't going to wreck it. I don't recommend loaning trailers out, but these are folks that have uh, been, well, the one guy was a truck driver for the Army, so he's he's trailer savvy, and the guy, you know, grew up in farm country, and then the other one, well, I guess the other folks, once in a while, I'll loan it to are the people that have the feed store over here, so if they've got trailers, they know what they're doing also. So that's pretty much it. I will haul stuff for people once in a while if, you know, if they really need it. But that's... Anyways, that's why the I left the four flat on there. Because a lot of folks don't have uh, a brake controller in their truck anyway. Which is something I recommend. I've got an inertial brake controller in my... Well, I guess actually in both the Excursion and my white truck, which I'll talk about later on. But I found that trailer on Craigslist or Facebook, I can't remember which one. Went and looked at it. You know, it wasn't, wasn't in pristine shape. In fact, floorboards are not great. But it's gonna get, it's gonna get round, or a, a steel floor of some kind before too long. Which, again, I recommend out here, if you are able to, Avoid a wood floor because it will not, it just won't last. You know, this was a decent floor when the trailer was built. A couple of the boards were kind of poorly chosen, but it was good wood. It just can't keep up. The sun just bakes it. So when I get a couple other trailers going, I'm going to go and get some angle and some steel and put a get out of the way picture feisty tonight I'm gonna put a steel floor on that and and the the one that I'm working on is that oh what do you call it the like fake wood decking so 
it will hold up to the sun for a while, at least. I'm curious how that works longer term. And if it doesn't, well, it's not that big. I'll put a steel floor in it. But I like the that fake wood decking idea because it'll give a little more grip, especially for hauling animals and things around. Because I am gonna you know, put the sides high enough and put a build myself a a lid that'll go on it, so it will be able to be closed on top. You know, a shade sort of a thing across the top. So when I haul animals in there, they'll be able to get a little bit of footing. And that that's really going to be either, you know, a few piglets or maybe a, maybe one couldn't, you couldn't in good faith get more than two feeder hogs on there, I don't think, of any size. It just wouldn't be friendly. See how that, it's, I don't even know what it is, it's not really quite a vinyl, it's something else. But if you go to somebody's deck, and that's that plasticky decking stuff, it's that stuff. So that's what's on the floor of the other one, and this one will have the, eventually it'll get the, the metal decking. And in my hopefully before long actual livestock trailer there will be a it'll probably be a wood deck but it, it may just be you know if the wood if I find one that the wood is shot on I'll probably put a metal decking down and just double stack the rubber stall mats in it so that it's not hard on, you know, animals' feet, but also is able to stand up to the weather. Although in a livestock trailer, you can get away with wood decking because it's always shaded. But, and with the metal decking, you got to be careful. You know, you don't want to leave that stall matting in there where it can hold moisture because then you could kill off the whole deal, you know, you could just rust it straight out. And this is amazing, I just walked over here and I got a cactus here that's flowering. It is the deepest purple you can imagine. So it's good to get a photo. If you go to the Instagram or Facebook page, you'll be able to see it. Although the, the color is not coming through quite as beautifully as one might hope. But we will See if I can do this without entirely covering myself with stickers. So that kind of covers the trailer deal. When you say, oh, you, you said you want to buy at least two more. That's because I probably am either going to get a car trailer or, a, or an enclosed trailer. In fact, I have a, a small enclosed trailer that I have been given, but I haven't made it over to get. And when I say I've been given, 
my grandma gave it to me about, oh, I don't know, let's see, maybe better part of 20 years ago, and sadly, grandma has since passed on, but it's sitting at my uncle's house, and I, I keep saying, well, I'm going to go up there and get it, but he's, he's got it out of the way, and I don't actually want to bother him, so... So that may be there. The car trailer is in the, is in, oh boy, I wonder what that cat's got. Just saw, that's a squirrel moment, eh, when you say something like that. I have a cat just ran by and looked like I had a mouse, but I do also want a car trailer of some kind, of, you know, a big flatbed would make my veggie hauling easier than this, this utility trailer, something without the sides. You know, because this has like a 18-inch side on it. Which leads me to another point. If I was to get that, I would convert this to what you see going around as a, a like a landscape trailer. Because there's still, you know, I'm not on a lot of land, but there's still just loads and loads of garbage here. And I... We find it and haul it off as we can, but a, a trailer with taller sides like that would just make it an easier operation. More convenient. But then you get to the point where you say, well, if you're going to do that, you probably ought to go ahead and make it a hydraulic lift so you can just dump it and then when you start down that path boy it never ends you, you can if we should if we do that we ought to just all day long until you don't have any money left at all so it's a hard thing to say but so needless to say that's all out far far in the future but a, a utility, or sorry, a, a car hauler type trailer without any sides would then allow me to do a lot more pallet work. I could load and unload pallets off the side of the trailer with my, either with the backhoe and a set of forks, which I could build if I ever needed it, and we can talk about that in the next infrastructure, but or the next equipment podcast, but until you have that kind of a trailer, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to build yourself pallet forks. So, so those are the kinds of trailers that I think would be useful. There are a few other things that I would like to work on. It's not going to make sense for all of my trailers to be exactly the same as far as wheels and, and tires, but to the greatest extent possible, I want to be able to use common wheels and tires between different groups of trailers. In fact, I'm doing the same thing on my truck, that Chevy, which now the Chevy guys are going to complain, but I converted that square body Chevy from the old Chevy 8 lug pattern to fit the newer Ford style lugs so that I'd be able to trade tires and wheels back and forth between the two 
So if you got a flat tire on something and you really need to use that that day, you can just go steal a tire a wheel off of another vehicle. And it's it's not that terribly hard. It's just something to think about. So I'd like to do that on my trailers as well. Anything with a you know roughly 3,500 pound axle. In fact, even less. Anything with a 3,500 pound axle or less, which will accept a full-size tire. I'm going to try to fit the same rims as are on my utility trailer on because they are a common, I forget what the, I want to say it's a GM car wheel that fits these. So there's no, no shortage of them. They're easy to find. And a 15-inch wheel is, for this purpose, is essentially a 15-inch wheel, and you don't have to worry about it that much, at least as far as I can tell. So I am very interested in making things the same across different uh, types of trailers. Smaller is rarely better in trailers. There is an upper limit on that. You know, you don't want to pull a 40-foot car hauler around for everything. Kind of like I'm doing with this 16-foot trailer. You know, I I use it for a lot of stuff. 16-foot's almost perfect, though. It's it's hard to get easier to pull than a 16-foot trailer. It pulls nicely. It backs up easily. That little trailer that I'm working on over there, the chances of me ever letting anybody else pull that is really low. Because a trailer that small, you know, and that short, is really hard to back up. And it's really easy to jackknife it and mess up your bumper or bend a tongue or whatever on the, you know, ruin your hitch. So those are not a, that's not a beginner level trailer. You know, don't go down to your local farm store or or, you know, Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever, and just say, oh, I'm going to buy the cutest, smallest trailer here. Because you're just going to have no end of, of disaster with that. The only reason you would ever want something like that as a first trailer is if you just didn't have any way to store anything bigger than that. You know, if you couldn't fit anything longer in your driveway or whatever, then, then yeah. But realize that's going to be a longer learning curve to learn to back it up. And I'll leave you with the, the advice on how to learn to back up a trailer is first realize that there's two vehicles that you're gonna use around your trailer all the time. And one is a tractor, and that's easy, especially if it's a cabless tractor, you know, two-wheel drive, a smaller tractor. Yeah, boy, you can crank those things back and forth. That just makes it easy. You can you can put trailers anywhere with with a, a smaller tractor like that. And the other one is your truck. And I've got about the least user-friendly truck you can have as far as backing things up. I've got two of them. I've got an excursion, which sits up pretty high off the ground. I mean, it's not... It does have a lift on it, but it's not a, a big, crazy, huge lift or anything. But it's it sits about the height of the newer trucks like are coming out now. So I've got that, which you can't see out the back of. 
because of the, you know, it's got a you know, row of seats, two sets, of, two rows of seats behind you. So you can't see the trailer through the back glass hardly at all. And the other one that I use is a four-door, you know, it's a work truck. It's a four-door long bed truck. Both of them are four-wheel drive, which often reduces your turning radius a little bit. And it's Arizona, so everything's got tint on it. So it just makes it that much harder to see. So on a tractor, boy, you can just see it. You can do whatever you want. I don't care. Turn around in your seat. Most tractors don't have mirrors. Do whatever works for you when you're using a tractor. Go out and practice backing a trailer up. But realize when you get in your truck, it's a different operation. So when you sit in your truck, first, you need to realize you're not going to look out the back glass. Just ignore that. You know, you look out the back glass to make sure there's nothing way back in the distance. You know, the, the rear view, if it works for you, it's great. I used to drive a, a service truck that there wasn't any way to use the back glass, so you, you just depend on your side mirrors. And that's what I do when I'm backing a trailer up. My dad was a truck driver. He taught me to back stuff up a long, long time ago. So you sit in the seat, and you grab a hold of the bottom of the steering wheel, and you just use your side mirrors. And if you hold on to the bottom end of the steering wheel, so the side of the steering wheel is nearest your lap, and you're in a you've got your trailer straight behind you, first, if your hand goes more than about halfway up, so if it goes, you hold on at the six o'clock position, and if it goes further to the left than nine o'clock and further to the right than three o'clock, stop, get straightened out again, Unless you're back around weird corners, you shouldn't be doing that. And the reason I say grab a hold of the bottom of the steering wheel is if you hold the bottom of the steering wheel, the direction that you push the steering wheel is the direction that the back of the trailer is going to go. So if you want the back of the trailer to turn left, you get in the truck and you move the bottom of the steering wheel left. And if I got that backwards, I apologize. I'm sitting here trying to think about it because after you drive you back a trailer up for so long, it just becomes second nature. And you get to where you can back things up almost as good as you can go forward. Well, the problem is always visibility. It just is a hard, it's a hard thing to see. And especially a lot of times if you're doing things like I am, you know, I'm backing up at night and I'm putting trailers into weird positions. It's, you know, I've got to back around a bunch of random trees and I'm putting, but the, the point is that if I can learn to back a trailer up around trees at night, anybody can learn to back a trailer up any time. But I do hope that my, my hint that I didn't come up with, like I said, that my dad told me about grabbing the bottom of the steering wheel and pushing it in the direction that you want the back of the trailer to go works for you. It will work if you use it, if you think about it correctly, and if you're using a decently long trailer. If you can't see your trailer out the side view mirrors, you're going to have a hard time backing anything up. It's just a, it's a fact that, that is, I mean, it's, it's undeniable. Because by the time you see a short trailer come around the side of your truck, you've got to, you've got to pull forward and straighten out again. There's a few weird ones like gravity feed trailers and things like that that are 
that are steered trailers, those are really tough to back up. I am out of practice on that, so it would be hilarious to watch me try to do it. But I guess the last nugget I'll leave you with is this. You want always to be look if you can look at a, all three of your rear view mirrors, so both side views and rear view, do that, but pick one. Either the left, so the left being the driver's side mirror, the right being the passenger mirror. Pick one of those as your frame of reference. Because a lot of trailers you can't see well enough. They don't, you know, your mirrors are different. Uh, the right mirror shows things being, oh, what is it, further than they appear or whatever. I don't even remember. This one doesn't have the thing. So I think it magnifies a little bit or something. I, I can't remember. The point being the mirrors are not the same. So pick one as your reference point every time you back up. And that's how you guide your trailer. And you just use the other two mirrors to make sure you don't run into something. Otherwise, if you try to gauge off of both side mirrors, you'll back up like you look like a snake track when you're done, which is not what you're looking for. It takes longer and you're more likely to run into something, frankly. So pick a mirror as your, as your single point of, of reference. Use the other two for safety. Hold onto the bottom of the steering wheel and point it in the direction that you want the back of the trailer to go, and don't go more that don't don't go past the three or nine o'clock positions if you originally grabbed a hold at the six o'clock. And I think that'll do it for me on the on this equipment episode. And we'll come back next time. We'll discuss the I guess motorized roadworthy equipment and the things that you can be looking for there as well as the uh, the common workarounds. So get your questions in. If you have a, a question, you can, you can put it in a comment somewhere, but the best way really is either at eveningchores.com or if you just send it to me directly. And if you, if you send those questions, I will do my best to read them here and answer them if I can. And if I can't answer them, chances are I know somebody who can. And I will, I will get a hold of them. And if it's something super complex, then I will look for somebody who can answer it. And then I'll try to just get them on the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I appreciate you listening all the way through like this. And if you would, please share it out. You know, you can go right to the website. You can get the URL there if you're into the RSS sort of a thing. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify, you know, Amazon podcast. There's all, it's all kinds of places. Oh, look at that. I just got caught a pig sleeping in the feeder. They're crazy animals. It's, it's a sleepy world here. Anyway, please go to those places, rate, subscribe, share. That helps the, the reach of the podcast. And, you know, it's nice on my end, I'll be honest, it's a little bit selfish for me, but it's, it's nice to know that I'm not just speaking into the abyss and somebody's actually listening. So if you want to send a comment, actually if you want to send a comment that's more individualized, you can send it to eveningchores at gmail.com and I'll get it that way. I appreciate you listening. Thanks and good night.